Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. David Fiorazzo with Mary Danielson. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up for the Truth. Hi, Mayor. Good morning. Good morning. You're about ready to blow out of here, out of Wisconsin, for some southern uh, southern exposure, southern pleasure, southern weather, southern whatever. So, yeah, yeah we're going to enjoy this podcast together. We've got Jim Harden on the line with us, but I want to share a scripture that just came up, and this is so. Uh, I'm just going to share what uh, it's over at Bible Gateway today. Job chapter 23, verse 10 and 11. It says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his path. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I just hear perseverance and endurance when I read that scripture. Job twenty three ten and 11. Well, we're going to do a lot of news and headlines and uh, catch up in the second half of the podcast today. But in the first half, we've got the Reverend Jim Harden back with us, CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services, and that's in Rochester, New York, and Compass Care is in Buffalo. Um, Jim, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. David and Mary, thanks for having me back. It's an honor. Yeah, well, we want to catch up. There's so mm-hmm. much. I know you've been really busy. I'm really encouraged by some of the interviews you've done, some of the press that you've gotten. So um, the, the awareness is spreading. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's really important for <clears throat> the people in America to talk about abortion because the more we talk about abortion, the, the more uh, people understand it's injustice and the more pro-life the country gets. The, the, we, we, we can you know, return to a more civilized um, situation, you know, both, both respect to the, with respect to the legal system and with respect to the medical system. So, you know, <clears throat> while it was uh, it's a terrible thing that that pro-life pregnancy centers uh, are being attacked uh, and that we were uh, firebombed and, and people were injured. But the fact that we're able to talk about what it means to be human under God um, is is a tremendous blessing because the church has the answer. The answer is Christ. And and what what, what is what is when Jesus died on the cross? He assigned a value to humanity. Now, obviously, we're all made in the image of God and, and therefore equally valuable. We know that from Amen. Genesis. Amen. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, what does that mean? It means that, that this is this is God in the flesh. He, he is invaluable. You can't put a price on God, right? <laughs> but he decided to sacrifice his own life on our behalf, essentially assigning humanity value, which also then becomes priceless. Mm. We are invaluable as the crown of creation. And therefore, we ought to be inviolable, not to be violated mm. from the womb to the tomb without yeah. partiality, without qualification. And so when you see the gov- a government coming along saying, well, it's okay to, uh, to, to d- disqualify s- certain categories of, of humans as protected under the law, that is unjust. That is oppression. And it's, it's happening. It happened in America. And when, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, see Roe versus Wade, the original decision in 1973 legalizing abortion, the, uh, Henry Blackman was the majority opinion author. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, in that opinion, the word person, this is a quote now, the word person does not apply to the unborn. Think about that. Wow. When, when, when Dobbs came out reversing Roe on June 24th last year, it said basically that uh, Roe was wrong about that in particular. Uh, it, it, it was on a collision course from the very get-go with the Constitution. Hmm. Uh, it is not the government's job to decide these uh, these things uh, with respect to humanity. It's the government's job to protect all humans equally. Uh, this is the this is the nature of the of the Thirteenth Amendment, no slavery. This is the nature of the Fourteenth Amendment, equal protection under the law, right? Amen. And 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 so this is this is why Christians. I believe are being attacked right now because you've got two worldviews in America that mm-hmm. are at war, and I mean that they're at war. Yes, you've got one worldview that says, "Hey, there's no God," and that government ought to take the place of God, deciding what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. And then you've got this other worldview, which is which is the, the foundational, uh, you know, philosophical and theological basis for our Constitution, rule of law, which is the Judeo-Christian framework. We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. The right to life being, of course, the basis for all other rights. You can't have other rights if you don't if you're not alive, right? So, I mean, th- th- this is this is a perfect. Uh, and the reason why Christians are are Christian pro life, sorry, Christian pro pro life people are being attacked is because we have this primary belief that stands in the way. Mm-hmm. This belief that all people are made in the image of God and therefore equally valuable without qualification is 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 that belief that stands in the way of absolute power mm-hmm. absolute power is the ability to decide who lives and who dies quite simply put yep and so what is what is abortion but the camel's nose under the tent of tyranny because when mm-hmm. it, it, it's the government getting to say hey this this category of person pre-born boys and girls don't qualify mm-hmm. and therefore you can you can uh you can you can destroy them which is uh, awful uh, and oppressive and of course the heart of god as we know all throughout scripture but but it made you know uh incarnate in christ the heart of god is to free us from oppression mm-hmm. the oppression of our sin and the oppression of the sins of others through forgiveness jesus christ did that for us he became our good samaritan we were beaten and left for dead by our sin and the sins of others on this dangerous geocorrode of life that we mm-hmm. live Preach and he it. Said, look i'm I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah right and, and he stopped he, he condescended as it were he gave us everything to give us our lives back. And then he says, now now that you've got your life back, now that you've got this newfound power, this newfound voice before God the Father, this newfound standing, don't use it for yourself. Go and do likewise, like the, like the Good Samaritan. Go and do like, follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Go sacrifice yourself for the lives of others instead of insisting that other people sacrifice their lives for you. Mm-hmm. This is the power of God. Yes. And that's, 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 that's the basis for civilized order. Yeah. That's the only basis for human dignity. And, and, so, and so Christians um, are willing to take it on the chin. Christians are willing to, as you described in your Job passage earlier, David, Christians are, are, are able and willing to persevere through trial for the good of humanity for the life of the world. Wow. Jim, in light of this uh, early conversation, I want to. There's an article on Compass Care that really caught my eye yesterday. Uh, it's called "Attacks on Pro-Life Pregnancy Centers Are Not About Abortion." Well, how interesting is that? Uh, because on June 17th, 22 federal legislators demanded Google censor pregnancy centers to prevent women from finding you. Wow. On August 25th, Google complied 
dramatically harming Compass Care's ability to reach women considering abortion. Then uh, you go on to say that Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren on July 12th said, we need to shut them down all around the country. Tolerance. Right. Well, here's the twist that you talk about in this article. On September 15th, Gavin Newsom launched a multi-state billboard campaign advertising for women to go to California for their abortions, quoting Jesus in Mark 12. Uh, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. So now we have this twist in the support of abortion. Uh, the vice president, uh, Harris is invoking Christianity. So Jim, what's the connection between the efforts to shut down pro-life work and use Christianity to promote abortion? What in the world is the end game of that? Oh gosh, you know, so much is going on in this country and the, <laughs> the end game, you know, I mean, it's the, what, what we what we started to see happen in in August <clears throat> was something new. We'd never seen this happen before uh, among the kind of pro-abortion uh, abortion empire, abortion industry, and and, and, the, and the pro-abortion political elite. And what started to happen was they started to insist that uh, abortion uh, is not precluded by Christianity. Christian beliefs they, they kept you know they and so what they're saying that Christian beliefs uh, can embrace abortion uh, th- this is important because most most almost all i'd say 95 to 99 percent i don't know for sure but but you know i i run pro-life entities all across, and i help other people run them across the country and 99 percent of all of our support comes from christian people okay Not, and, and and virtually 100 percent of people that work at these organizations are christian people mm. and so you know the uh, w- w- the basis for our protection in under law to be publicly pro-life is primarily the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of association. It's all First Amendment protected activity. Mm. And so if they can say, oh, no, uh, abortion is, is, is also, you know, can also be you know, comprehended within the Christian belief system, then it takes away our First Amendment ability, protection mm. of, 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 of pro-life activity because now it's just a, a matter of opinion. It's no longer a matter of, of religious belief that all people are made of the image of God and ought to be protected, and therefore abortion is wrong always and everywhere and always has been and always will be. Yes. It becomes just a simply uh, a matter of, 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 of difference of theological opinion. Mm. Um, and so it, it'll rob pro-life people of the ability to be protected under law to engage in public pro-life activity. Oh. It'll rob physicians of being pro-life, and so, you know, conscientiously objecting from participating in abortion or referring women for abortion. It'll rob pregnancy centers of their ability to reach women and serve them and not refer for abortion or provide abortions. It'll, it'll, it'll rob, um, you know, uh, sidewalk ministers of their ability to, to, in, to pray and, and engage peacefully outside of, of, of abortion clinics. Uh, they, the, the whole goal here, uh, David and Mary, since, oh gosh, I don't know how long, at least nine months, their whole goal, stated goal, as you descri- as Mary described um, with respect to Elizabeth Warren, they want to shut us down. That is their goal. Mm. That's the, the goal of Jane's Revenge, uh, the pro-abortion terrorist group. That's the goal of these uh, pro-abortion political bad actors. It's the goal of Google. Uh, and it's the goal of, you know, uh, even law enforcement turning a blind eye to the violence against pro-life entities. Yep. The goal is to criminalize uh, pro-life, public pro-life activity and push us out of the public square. Mm-hmm. And it's not about. Go ahead. I was going to say, and they're trying to bully 
uh, mm-hmm. pro-life uh, individuals, Christians, and those who would fight for the right for women to have their babies. And uh, now it's becoming more violent than we ever thought would happen. And yeah. what you said is very important. They are not prosecuting. I mean, the FBI, the DOJ are looking the other way. So, Jim, that brings us to an, an update we want to get from Compass Care. And you had handed over your security footage. Um, this was a seven or eight months ago where you got firebombed on your offices there. Can you give us the latest? What's going on? Yeah, so the latest, is, 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 it's interesting. Uh, we, we had to file a lawsuit in, a, in the Supreme Court of New York in Erie County, which is in Buffalo, um, to, to against the police department to get, to get our video surveillance back. Uh, so we filed, we had to file a lawsuit. Um, it went to, it went to the, to the Supreme Court. Uh, we were, we were scheduled to have our fourth hearing today, uh, at 1130. Uh, that's in about an hour and, and 15 minutes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the police department, we now just heard the police department wants to settle. What? What? <laughs> um, so. They want to settle, <clears throat> which means they want to give us our video back, but they want to give it back to us with um, stipulations. Oh, oh boy! Um, <clears throat> so you know, we we to you know to this day do not have it in our possession. Uh, we, we, I didn't even get a chance to, to view our own video surveillance uh, uh, of the crime until I was at least 160 days after, and this was this only came be, and the only reason the FBI would allow me to see it is because there was an open letter from. On October 14th, an open letter from Senator Ted Cruz and 39 other congressmen and, 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 and senators uh, was sent to FBI Director Christopher Wray demanding to know why the FBI has abdicated their duty to investigate violence against pregnancy centers. That's right. And, they have. and so I got, a, I got a call three, three hours later <clears throat> from the FBI after, after having been incommunicado with us uh, since June 24th, saying, wow. the FBI would like to talk to you, Jim. I said, oh, okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> we want we want to talk about giving your video. Uh, your we want to talk about how you're portraying the FBI in the media. Okay, so first of all, they're mm. worried about their reputation, and secondly, we want to talk about um, your your lawsuit uh, to retrieve your video surveillance back from uh, the police department. I said, okay. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, where, where do we where do we stand today? We had to hire a private investigating firm, oh. uh, along with the Thomas More Society out of Chicago. Uh, to 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 locate the perpetrators, wow. we know for a fact they based on the the, the we've already caught up with the FBI. Our, our private investigators um, have done have done work like this before, identifying domestic terrorists and even putting them away. Um, we've got military experience in, in uh, locating and neutralizing uh, terrorist threats, and we we know we, we know several we know who some of them are, um, and we know that the, the FBI is choosing not to make arrests. They are making decisions to not arrest these people. And we also know that they're directly connected with Antifa. Um, this wow. is an Antifa-connected uh, group of people. Jane's Revenge is a branch of Antifa. Antifa mm-hmm. is, yes. <clears throat> is anti, it stands for anti-fascism, but it's a movement that's, that's based in Marxist-Leninism definitions of anti-fascism. Yep. Anti-fascism, mm-hmm. according to Marxist-Leninism, is, is essentially, essentially anti-capitalism and anti-Christianity. Mm-hmm. And their goal is to destroy uh, the current global civilized order. Uh, the, the, the current nation-state system was, was established back in 1648 with the Westphalian Treaty. And the current nation <clears throat> that is upholding the current nation-state system globally is the United States of America. We are the bulwark. Right. And so the, the, Antifa, the global Antifa movement, which is a global movement, 
is attacking and trying to destabilize using fourth generation warfare, also used by Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. This is people. People think this is these are isolated events. These are not. This is a the reason why the FBI and the DOJ are refusing to make arrests is because there is right now happening in America a fourth generation warfare, warfare plot by Antifa, and they are recruiting disaffected groups like <clears throat> abortion rights activists, James Revenge, and they are recruiting them to engage in violent acts to yes. destabilize the culture and desensitize the population to this violence until they can actually push harder and harder and harder uh, to, to destabilize. And now you're seeing this. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is how deep does the rabbit hole go? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, yep. how yeah. far does it go? Mm. You know, it has, has, and the question that we're having, right, having to ask right now, unfortunately, is whether or not there are Antifa sympathizers within the DOJ deprioritizing yep. these investigations. That's where we are right now. This is this is not some kind of conspiracy theory. Nope, and by no, the way, no. uh, you know, you, you look at conspiracies in the government, <laughs> and people say, "Well, it's just a conspiracy theory." Just a conspiracy theory. The reality is, if you just look at the history of government in mankind, it is a history of conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that we, became that we, became we conspiracy fact. Conspiracy fact. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's exactly what history is. <laughs> so, Jim, uh, just just to clarify, your offices in Buffalo, New York, Compass Care, were firebombed on June 7. That's almost nine months ago. The FBI and the Biden DOJ have done nothing, purposely turned the other way. But when did you hire the private security firm? When was that? We hired the private security firm on January Oh, my goodness. So within, you know, a month or so, you were able to get answers and actually you have an idea who's behind this. And so it's clear that if they wanted to find they, meaning the FBI, DOJ, if they wanted to find out who's doing this firebombing, they could have done so. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I We gave them we, we sent out a, a five thousand dollar reward um, for anybody for any, any information leading to an arrest um, back in September, because the police wouldn't do it. The FBI wouldn't do it. So we did it. And we got good tips. And we gave these tips to the police department and the FBI. And they didn't follow up oh, on them. Geez. Think about that. Wow. And, and by the way, we, we actually gave, gave uh, the, uh, the police uh, a, a tip about who we thought one of the perpetrators might be or related to the perpetrators. Uh, when this happened, almost nine months ago. And they didn't follow up on this person until just several weeks ago. Of course, it's already gone cold. Wow. Um, I mean, th- th- this is the kind of slow walking that's going on. The FBI didn't even look at our video surveillance for five weeks. Five weeks. And I'm not even sure they did after that. Obviously, it wasn't it, a priority. Yeah. No, certainly not a priority. And, and, but what is their priority? Their priority is to, is to treat the law like a legal buffet, uh, using it to, 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 to target, uh, you know, people that disagree with them, uh, disagree with the, the, the political narrative of the political elite that are in power right now. And that's, that's a very, you know, no matter where somebody stands on the, on the debate around abortion, that politicization of federal law enforcement yeah. ought to be very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And we've been talking about it since last Mother's Day when our friend here, not too far from us in Madison, Wisconsin, Julianne Appling's office was firebombed and they even took credit for it, Jane's Revenge, and they said, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. Threatening. Mary? Yeah. Uh, I got a question for you, Jim. Um, what is, um, I mean, 
in light of the fact that there will be ongoing violence, more than likely. These are the times we're living in. But the federal court ruling on chemical abortion, is I couldn't find anything on that. Is there an update on the status of that? Yeah, the FDA approval? Yes, yes. That's a, that's a great question. We are watching that case very carefully because that case has the potential of having uh, more uh, impact on the abortion industry than the, re- the reversal of Roe versus Wade on June 24th. Why is that? that well, right now, <clears throat> chemical abortion represents more than half of all abortions in America. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a wow. quick, uh, fast-emerging kind of market. And the abortion industry saw the writing on the wall back in 2018 that uh, the Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned. If Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned, that meant that they would have to change their their business model. Because oh. instead of having uh, in-person surgical services uh, in every state, they all, the multiple states, up to almost half the states, would outlaw it or severely strict, restrict it so that they couldn't do that anymore. They, so they had, they had to start pivoting away from surgical abortion mm-hmm. to chemical abortion. So it, and or <clears throat> uh, encourage women to travel from conservative states to, um, you know, states like New York and California to get their abortion. We call it abortion tourism. Um, wow. And that's exactly what's starting to happen. And so they had to go to the hub and spoke model. The hub would be abortion hub states like get women to travel. The spokes would be sending these dangerous chemical abortion drugs in the mail to women in conservative states or, or elsewhere. So that's exactly what they pivoted to. And now um, wow. chemical abortion represents, and it just in a very short period of time, yep. grew so significantly, it's now over half of all abortions in America. That's talking, we're talking four to 500,000 abortions through these chemicals every single year wow. in America alone. Wow. And now you can so you'll it, be so, able, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you'll be able to get these drugs, uh, something called telemedicine, where you just have a Zoom call with an MD, right? And or can you get them at? A, will it be a retail pharmacy situation? How? I mean, uh, well, college campuses have vending machines now with with chem, with abortion pills. Some college campuses are putting this out on wow. their campus. I've re, we, we did a show on that last week. Um, anyway, yeah, they're they're making it readily available. Yeah, and it's all illegal, all of it. <clears throat> and so that, that's what this court case is all about down in Texas. It's a Texas mm. uh, U.S. Uh, district court, a wow. northern district of Texas out of Amarillo. Mm. Judge Matthew Kosmerick is presiding, and they heard oral arguments. There are four physician groups representing thousands of doctors that filed a lawsuit against the FDA, claiming that the FDA violated the legal protocols for approving mifepristone, which is the chemical abortion drug. Um, and they, they, they violated it in, in the year 2000 uh, on the lead-up uh, with, with the Clinton administration uh, to when they, were initially, they initially uh, approved it, and they continued to violate the, pro, the, uh, the, the law. <clears throat> they didn't do their due diligence around uh, you know, investigations for safety and efficacy. They only looked at the efficacy relative to ending a pregnancy. They didn't look at the, the safety of, of a woman uh, relative to what it does to her long-term reproductive, her reproductive mm-hmm. health or her general health. Or her, or, or, or her emotional health for that, for that matter. Um, the, the, they're ignoring the current data that we have on how dangerous these drugs are. And they're making decisions that are in support of the abortion industry, not in protection of women. And so they're asking the judge, uh, to overturn the, the FDA's approval of chemical abortion, which could cut abortions in America in half overnight. Wow. Mm. 
Wow. And That's let, huge. Yep. And, and let's just, by the way, you know, if you want to go to the College Fix of France, if you want to check out that website, you can find out how many college campuses, usually the Ivy Leagues and many others, are putting these vending machine, what they're calling emergency contraceptives on college campuses and abortion pills. But you can re- you do that research on your own. But I just want to mention, Jim Harden, some of the health risks to women for the, or side effects or complications that accompany chemical abortions. They have included yeah. uh, pain, heavy bleeding, fever, infection, incomplete abortion requiring surgical mm-hmm. follow-up, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, feeling dizzy, headaches, short-lasting hot flashes, hemorrhage, blood clots, undetected ectopic, ectopic a pregnancy, which is life-threatening, mm-hmm. a permanent infertility, and maternal death. These are some of the yeah. things that are listed under health risks to women. Uh, Jim, continue. Exactly. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why these physicians are, are filing suit against the FDA, because it's so dangerous. Wow. The, um, the, the FDA did list the drug, Mifepristone, on the REMS list, Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy list. There's only 70 drugs, 7-0, out of the thousands of drugs that the FDA has approved, there's only 70 that ever made it onto that list. It's only 70 that are dangerous enough hmm. that when the chemical comes in contact with a human being, uh, they have to be, be you know, monitored very closely by a physician. Hmm. Mifepristone, the chemical abortion drug, is one of them. And that's one of the reasons why the chemical abortion drug has been dubbed the chemical coat hanger. It's just that dangerous. Um, you know, and then furthermore, the, uh, it, they, they, they have not yet taken it off the REMS list. Think about that. And yet they're being, the women are being told that it's safer than Tylenol. Oh, uh, so the, a woman is 500% more likely to end up in the emergency room after starting the chemical abortion process than even a surgical abortion. Wow. I, I think it's like one in, one in 10 women. But they're telling these women yes. to go, to, if there's a complication, go to the emergency room and tell them they're having a miscarriage. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, you know, hide mm-hmm. or obfuscate the actual risks and side effects that come along with uh, this chemical abortion process. Mm. And, and, and so it's extremely dangerous to women, but it's also uh, totally disregarding medical ethics. Because mm-hmm. the way a, a, a medical uh, system or medical care should work with a patient is that you, your patient comes in, you diagnose the condition, and then you identify particular treatment op- options, that you, you clarify the risks and side effects with each treatment option, and then the patient makes a decision about a treatment option or whether or not she's going to have a treatment option. Now, this is totally circumventing all of that. A woman is not even being diagnosed with a pregnancy before she's being sent these drugs in the mail. Think about that. Not even being diagnosed with a pregnancy and she's being given these drugs. Again, that's, 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 that's a big problem. And, and they're not diagnosed, if she is pregnant, they're not diagnosing how far along she is because the drug is only uh, rated for up to 10 weeks gestation. Well, most women don't know how far along they are. If she just calls and says, I'm pregnant, let's just assume that she is. It could, it could be she's 15, 20. Uh, 30 weeks along oh and she starts taking these drugs. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's terrible. She's going to be, she's alone. It's, it's, it's horrific. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, there's no, there's no o- oversight by, by a physician. Um, the, the risks are just awful. And, and so, you know, the, the contravention of, of good medical ethics and medical care is, 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 uh, is deplorable and it's irresponsible and it, and it's something that needs to be overturned. 
and it needs to be overturned quickly for the for the health and safety of women and, and children, obviously. Well, deplorable certainly is the word for it. I, I yeah. think of these women. It's so and, tragic. Yes, and they're going to do this because they're so desperate. You know, and they've they, believed mm-hmm. the, the yeah. lies. They've believed right. that this is okay and this is right. something that won't cause any problems. They've believed that they've believed the lie that an abortion is an option. It's always going to be an option it's because the solution, of, right? it's the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jim, really quick, we've just got three minutes left with you. Um, let's contrast your situation at Compass Care in New York and possibly um, many, many dozens and dozens, if not a hundred across the country, with the, how the Biden administration handled the situation in Kalamazoo, where on February 6th, Joshua Barrington was sentenced after pleading guilty to federal charges of arson. I think he threw a, uh, a Duraflame log on top of a Planned Parenthood. Tell us about that. That was pretty quick. In four days, they had an arrest. Yeah, so, you know, we, we were, you know, saying, hey, look, uh, the, the the FBI is, is not doing their job. The DOJ is not doing their job. And People were saying, how do you know that? Well, <laughs> um, all you got to do is look at how they respond to, to violence against a, an abortion clinic. Within one uh, case. Uh, wow. with, with, in this one case, on July 31st, there, this, this, this man attempted to start a fire at Planned Parenthood, and it was, a middle, it was a middle of the afternoon on a Sunday. The FBI and, and there was a joint federal task force of law enforcement that got together instantaneously, same day, reviewed the video surveillance, same day, did a forensic analysis, same day, and, 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 and backtracked and figured out where the, where, where the Duraflame log was purchased, even, <laughs> and, and got video surveillance from that. Mm-hmm. And within four days, they had this guy arrested and indicted. Okay? That's the power of the DOJ and the FBI. And compare that to over 230 attacks across the country on pro-life entities and no arrests. Wow. And, and you look at all this. They're sitting on a mountain of evidence. Yep. A mountain of yeah. evidence. They're making a choice. Yes, they are. And the, so, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a lot of, of sympathy for the FBI or the DOJ right now. Neither do um, we. I do think, I think that they need to be investigated. I think the light of investigation needs to be shined on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they need to, the, the, the bad actors need to be rooted out. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Reverend Jim Harden, to be continued, brother. God bless you, protect you, and continue to do the great work you're doing at Compass Care. Oh, thank you, David. Thank yeah. you, Mary. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Again, Compass Care Pregnancy Service Buffalo. Um, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court hearing arguments on student loan cancellation and trans women in American Women's History Museum. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, we've got a lot to cover tomorrow with our guest, Linda Harvey of Mission America, including hostility against churches on the rise in the U.S. And here's a headline that uh, we'll, we'll push to the end of this podcast if we have time today. No surprise, COVID most likely originated in lab leak concludes U.S. Department of Energy. Yeah, like none of us knew that. Um, oh, in, in the a China lab, by the way. But yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not sure exactly. That's misinformation. But here's an interesting headline before we get to something Mary wants to share. I think is really interesting. Um, the Smithsonian. The interim director of Smithsonian's New American Women's History Museum understands DL, DNA, at least in a metaphorical sense. They are actually, the Smithsonian Institution is actually going to, um, they're going to include transgender women in, quote, American Women's History Museum. This is where we are as a culture, as a nation, and you wonder why the world looks at us and is laughing. Mm-hmm. 
Mayor, go ahead. Yeah, can I just leave that one yeah, right there? Yeah, you can okay. leave it. Leave, right. Yeah, let's leave it. Uh, this happened in Canada last fall, and I'm going to give you some uh, the story and then a little bit of background here. Oh, similar story, same theme. Yes, uh, student, a student suspended and arrested for saying there are only two genders, and this happened in the People's Republic of Canada. Um, <laughs> last fall, Josh Alexander was suspended from St. Joseph Catholic High School in Renfrew, Ontario, uh, he stated the fact that there are only two genders, and he didn't bring up the subject randomly. The class was discussing gender. He says it was about male students using female washrooms, gender dysphoria, male breastfeeding. Everyone no, was sharing their opinions don't. on it. Any student who wanted uh, to was participating, including the teacher. I said there were only two genders, and you were born either a male or female, and then I got in trouble. And then I said that gender doesn't trump biology. Well, Josh was kicked out and told he couldn't return until he changed his mind. Uh, he couldn't attend classes until he affirmed that he would not use the dead name of any transgender student and agree to exclude himself from his two afternoon classes uh, because those are attended by two transgender students. Also, a dead name is the transgender lingo for the name given to these students at birth. On February 6th of this year, he arrived at school to attend classes as usual. The school called the police and he was arrested. Um, wow. Um, he said they, uh, okay. He said for every crucifix on the wall, there's also a pride flag and there's encouragement of gender dysphoria. Um, okay. Wait a so minute. crucifixes on the wall. I yeah. thought they were long gone. Yes. No, no. This is the Catholic high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Catholic high school. And so um, the background is, on February 15th, he and his older brother uh, Nick and his friend Monty were interviewed by Canadian press uh, support, sporting Save Canada hats. Um, he said that yeah. he was the one who spoke up, but a lot of the girls at school were upset that the males were permitted in their bathrooms. <sighs> and so I decided to speak up with it. Then he, when he shared his concerns last fall, the principal said, well, I'm not going to pursue your personal crusade. I have to hear from a female student as well. Well, they did hear from a female student. And um, when he tried to come back for classes, they made it crystal clear um, that his views held by virtually every Canadian through all Canadian history <laughs> until about five years ago would not be permitted. He was brought to the office. He had a lawyer there. Um, the provincial police walked in. And he's now trespassing in his own school. Um, yeah, that's wow. just pretty ugly. And once you have precedence of things like that, you don't stuff the toothpaste back into the tube. Mm. I mean, that's just... But this is courage. I mean, this is what courage looks like yes. in the 21st century. Kudos to this young man. Yeah, kudos to him because yep. not one conservative politician in the country has spoken up in his defense. None have condemned his treatment. I guess they don't want to. So courage is in the embodied in this young man. Yeah, and we're seeing we're seeing a little bit uh, glimmers of it in the United States as well. Um, not many, but there are some students standing up and saying, "Wait a minute." Yeah. I mean, just with some of the women that were young girls when they were in high school. Um, they lost uh, positions on teams or even scholarship opportunities because a male mm. came in and started doing like track or whatever their sport, swimming. And there's now a couple lawsuits mm. going on. I haven't heard the latest, but yeah, there are some lawsuits happening and, and very likely many more will start standing up. And I'm just shocked, I guess, because we don't hear it obviously in the, the uh, leftist media in America, but we, we, even some conservative outlets, I'm shocked that we're not hearing more parents coming out, especially dads, you're telling me that uh, uh, more dads aren't infuriated mm -hmm. by the fact that there's boys competing against their daughters and going into the locker rooms or mm -hmm. changing rooms and changing with them because of school policies. 
we're not hearing of this outrage as much as I think we should. Yeah. But, but Mary, let's go on mm-hmm. to this other interesting case that the Supreme Court is hearing. Oral arguments on student loan cancellation. Mm-hmm. So progressive lawmakers are accusing uh, Supreme Court judges, half of them, <laughs> of putting politics over legal a- analysis of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan. There's so much involved here. It's not just about the student loans. It's about executive power in America. Um, those lawmakers say existing legislation gives the Biden administration the authority to eliminate debt, a decision that is in the best overall interest of the economy. Several conservative justices suggested that lawmakers should be involved in the Biden administration's desire to eliminate about $400 billion in debt without congressional authorization. Those are important words. Without congressional Authorization. The court used the major questions doctrine to strike down Democrat priorities like environmental regulations and COVID vaccine mandates. Now, um, National Re- National Review says the initial signs are om- ominous. I think for the Biden administration, whose only real chance of surviving these cases is to persuade the court that none of these challengers have standing to sue. So, Mary, this is very interesting. Of course, uh, Biden is arguing that a law in 2003 known as the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act or HEROES Act, uh, it had the power to waive or modify loan provisions to protect borrowers affected by a war or other military operation or national emergency. So we've had the health emergency Issues where they can take power, mm-hmm. COVID, you know, mandates and others because of that, declaring a health emergency. And now they can declare this because of other, like, national emergencies. This is very interesting. We're going to keep an eye on this Supreme Court mm-hmm. um, case argument. So, a- again, it comes down to the, a power-hungry government who is obviously not, I believe, serving all of the people in America. Oh, absolutely. This is one, yeah. you know, the student loan cancellation is one of the worst ideas to come out of the Biden administration. But how did they get this far if it's one of the worst well, ideas? People have fallen for it, right? Especially th- those under 25. Yeah, there's a lot of worst ideas. Idea. There's a lot of worst yeah, ideas. Yeah. But, um, yeah, oh, they love it. And I remember when it first came out, I remember thinking, oh, this is just horrible. But then now it's been sort of derailed for a little while and there's more arguments. And so we're going to wait and see how this comes out. But mm. it will forever remain one of the worst ideas um, to cancel student loan. I mean, And what was that number? They want to eliminate, just eliminate, wipe it out, $400 billion billion, billion. in debt. So let me just explain that. College students borrowed and used, mm-hmm. spent their money, let's just say $30,000, $40,000. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, like the average college student in this situation that went into debt to pay for certain things, loans, groceries, rent, whatever else, they've borrowed that money. And it's a for a student or for college, expenses for classes, whatever. And now someone wants to just wipe that out? What about the credit card companies or the, the companies that are holding these loans? You're just saying, All right, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about it. You know, don't don't even answer don't even say anything because we're gonna just let them just skate off free. Um, I understand the dilemma, but I think they're going about it the wrong way. I think this is an awful idea, like you said, Mary. 
Um, the other thing I'm thinking of is this is the same administration that has given – I don't even know what the total is. It is $125 billion to Ukraine – um, don't quote it's me on that. more than that, I think. $200 billion yeah, to like Ukraine. Yeah. This is our taxpayer money, mm-hmm. and this is the administration deciding we're going to do this. Is that benefiting American citizens? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And also, that what are they touting, though? This is, there's, I saw a Babylon Bee headline. Uh, the Biden administration is touting DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they are just really progressive and woke, and they're proud of it. Mm-hmm. So they're saying the Babylon Bee headline said something like, hey, um, hurting families that see the, all their costs going up and are, are having a hard time, you know, you know, pinching pennies or, or dollars to try to pay certain bills are so thankful that the Biden administration is woke and proud of their diversity, equity, and inclusion campaign. But that's what they're touting. This is, this is the America, America that we're dealing with yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next? Um, there's an article, excellent article by Hal Lindsey, who's still writing such great, insightful articles on prophecy and the science yeah. of the times. He's got to be in his 90s, don't you think? I think so. I think so. Yep. Well, he has one called, And There Will Be Pestilence. And he starts out by talking about, you know, that as, as the world in general faces a staggering set of potential catastrophes. And we, and this generation is facing them all at once. And he says each is magnified by the size of Earth's population. So just follow follow me here. He says, at the time of the 1918 flu epidemic, fewer than 2 billion inhabited the planet. Today, that number exceeds 8 billion. And we depend on fewer and fewer farmers to feed larger and larger populations. Mm. So the numbers here, it's all about the numbers. In an increasingly divided world, borders are turning into chasms over which supply lines must run. So now we're talking about, um, in the past, uh, maybe the 19th century or so, there was cholera, there was smallpox, there was typhoid. Our ancestors faced biological threats. Um, Of course, they weren't being weaponized by pharmaceutical laboratories. But in the late 1940s, penicillin and flu vaccines were just coming into use. And there was a lot of optimism about that. Um, And and somehow we were going to vanquish infectious disease, right? That's what my parents said. We're at the point, we have no smallpox. Um, the flu is done. We're going to vanquish these infectious diseases. Well, now, uh, Time Magazine said, uh, the number of new diseases per decade has increased fourfold over the last 60 years. Wow. Uh, most of the world's 8 billion people live in the petri dishes known as cities. So then he tells us, and this is the point I'm getting to today, um, he says, it's not surprising the world was unprepared for COVID, but it is stunning that the situation has not been corrected. The U.S. and most of the West still use China as a sort of a global pharmacy. But the communists play games. They flex their muscles to prove their strength and their vulnerability. The rest of the world finds itself out on a limb, and the Chinese party has the saw. They can (laughs) slow manufacturing. What we're talking about here is China being the source of so much of our raw materials and drugs in general, um, antibiotics and such, pain meds. They can slow manufacturing or stop it entirely. Just think this through. They can slow supply lines or cut them off according to whim. The West's dependence on China for vital pharmaceuticals is suicidal and nothing's being done. So antibiotics, over-the-counter pain meds, um, 95% of uh, imports of ibuprofen come from China, 91% of hydrocortisone, 70% of acetaminophen, 45% of our penicillin and our vitamins, 
And so if something were to happen, say China were to cause a lot of mischief on the world stage, which I think we're all expecting at some point, one of the casualties among all the things that we get from China will be having access to antibiotics for simple infection. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the uh, an- abortion drugs, I'm sure, will be readily available. Oh, right, correct? exactly. Of but course. anything that saves our lives instead of snuffing them out, uh, there's a good chance we will have uh, tremendous shortages of antibiotics and such. So wow. that's another thing to keep an eye on, the little things that China is doing that often slip through the cracks. Isn't it concerning that any amount of our drugs or pharmaceuticals yes. come from China? Yes. I mean, why? Like, like Hal Lindsay says, you know, what does he say? We're on the limb and China has the saw. Oh. You know, we're out on the limb and there. There's a visual for <laughs> you. A visual. All right. But that's true in a lot of ways. Yep. But anyway, that's concerning. So if people um, are just keep an eye on that whole idea of antibiotics becoming obsolete in this country, that's that's a horrible mm, thought. Interesting. Interesting. Um, remember, friends, uh, we are here for such a time as this. And we're going through some of these stories and reading some of these. Just some of it is just you think delusion. You think mm-hmm. calling evil good. Um, the depraved mind on steroids. Uh, but let's talk about this other case here at the Supreme Court. The Thomas More Law Center has, is asking SCOTUS to protect religious freedom in the workplace. The most important case, they're calling it, affecting religious freedom in the workplace in more than four decades. Thomas More Law Center represents over 400 physicians, nurses, surgeons, and medical professionals who have faced the loss of their careers, unpaid suspensions, and the denial of accommodations due to their sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, The president and chief counsel there said it's imperative that we restore religious liberty protection in the workplace in the face of the relentless attacks by huge corporations beholden to the radical ideologies which are contrary to our constitutional values. So the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in this case April 18, and a decision is expected by the end of June. I think there was one that actually went through, uh, don't quote me, I, I seem to remember New York, or was it Illinois, a major hospital system um, the employees, the workers that were fired or had to resign or were forced because of not taking the vaccine, they won a major case. And so I think that was either Illinois or New York, one of those two. But here is another one where they're saying over 400 physicians, surgeons, nurses, medical professionals, they faced uh, these, quote, consequences just because they either didn't want to take the vaccine or whatever uh, for religious reasons, for the say their Christian faith or whatever, but obviously for their health as well. As what we've been finding out, mm-hmm. hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking mm-hmm. back at this, isn't it, Mayor? Mm-hmm. It certainly is. It certainly is. And a lot of us knew that this was a hoax. You know, by April of twenty twenty, April, a May, lot June, of us. a lot of us already knew that. And there was so much persecution from others on on Facebook that, oh, you're 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 evil, and you're you're you won't wear a mask. You're going to kill your own grandmother, and you know, it just got ridiculous. And and so as more and more mm-hmm. comes out with, oh yeah, this was a lab leak, and. How many people are rolling their eyes when this finally, and it comes out at a certain time though, David. It's, it's not, that could have come out before. So we have to actually back up a little bit and ask ourselves, because everyone in the world is going, duh, you know, when they say this. So not everyone, what, but. Well, a yeah. lot of people are. A lot of people <laughs> yeah. are, because the lights, there have been a couple of years for the lights to come on. So we have to ask ourselves, mm-hmm. why did mm-hmm. that come out now? Yeah. I, I don't, 
I don't trust the timing of it. Are either. you talking about the lab leak reveal? Yes, the lab leak reveal. Quote reveal. Reveal. Oh, now yeah. we know. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Why now? Why now? Okay. So that, you know what, Mayor? I think you make an excellent point, friends. That's a good reminder. Whenever you see a story, even in conservative media, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, whenever you see something, a revelation, something that was revealed, or they did an investigation, and here's the answer. There's an interesting point as far as the timing Always. of when a, something is reported. There's an agenda behind not everything, but so many of these stories, there is an agenda on the release of information. By the way, speaking of the release of information or lack of, I think it was, oh, what, what's, what senator was it? Um, oh, uh, Jim Jordan, Senator Jordan, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, of course. Is, is trying to demand that the Justice Department open up their whatever their files they have on the Hunter Biden laptop case. And we're thinking, this is what year was this? This is 2023. We're talking about a story that was goes back to 2020. Uh, August, September, October, November of 2020. When they found that information, they knew what they had on the laptop, and they found his connections to Ukraine, China, prostitutes, mm-hmm. drugs. And the media purposely and complicitly buried it. Well, the news was in lockdown. The news had a mask on its face. Yep, and almost literally. (laughs) got to catch up. Yeah, but so now all of a sudden, now we've got some, and I thank the small handful of Republicans and then senators that have a Mm -hmm. spine or backbone to demand answers. They're still trying. God bless them, the Josh Hawley's, the Jim Jordan's, the Rand Paul's, um, uh, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, in some cases, you know, these, these men are, are trying to get answers, trying to protect the people, yep. trying the right of information, the Freedom of Information Act. They're filing those. So I just saw that headline. I'm, I'm just, sometimes I want to just throw the laptop through the window, but I won't because it's winter and then it would be really cold in the room. <laughs> um, but they're, they're, they're trying to get answers of things we probably already know mm-hmm. the contents or the answers to because it was reported by some conservative or fair-minded, mm-hmm. which is very few media outlets mm-hmm. in America. And so to see this story, COVID, this one, COVID most likely originated in a lab yeah. leak. You know, like, that's not even news. To probably, I'm going to be generous, to probably 45% of Americans, that's not news. Mm-hmm. But I think, Mayor, unfortunately, there's a big portion of America, and that's my number that I just threw out based on my understanding of where people are when it comes to believing mm-hmm. Media talking points, believing what the administration is putting out, believing what the Marxists are reporting and saying, right. and the globalists and the agenda. They, they fell for the talking points early. Right. Once you start believing something, right. it's really hard to get someone to change their mind or admit they were wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people are just going to roll over and hit the snooze button on their smoke alarm and just just ignore the whole thing. Like, cause like you said, they've already made up their minds. So, again, timing, I think, is everything. And we may not understand the timing of some of this, but a lot of it is, oh, look over here, look over here. What's today's distraction? In other words, ask yourself, what's today's distractive distraction and what is it keeping you from knowing that, oh, maybe two years from now they'll admit to? It's just mm. a weird cycle. It's a... It's just, um, it's just demonic. Yeah. I do want to say, I want to give kudos if you were on the other side of this, whatever, the truth, the argument, the debate, when it comes to religious freedom, when it comes to COVID, when it comes to these stories politicized that the media decide to punt on, and then the censorship of myself, other ministry leaders, conservative news outlets, 
when it comes to, quote, misinformation, if you were on the other side and now have said, sorry, I was wrong, I, I give mm-hmm. you a lot of credit because that takes oh, yeah. a strong man or woman of God to do that. And I want to thank a friend who commented on a post. I'm going to read my post after I share what this person said. I apologize myself if I had any part in these things. I admit I was very torn on this issue and the mask thing. And I want to read to you what um, I shared a, a quote from Samuel Say. We had him on a couple of years ago. He's, from, he's a Christian up in Canada. He said, I see that all the evangelicals who eager, eagerly pressured Christians to get the vaccine in order to, quote, love their neighbors, aren't so eager to love their neighbors by admitting they were wrong to place government's words over God's word. And I said, the battle can be summed up in three words, God or man. Virtue signaling is not godly. Even if you don't think you were putting government first, are you now willing to admit much damage has been done, many people are still suffering, many lives were lost due to obeying governments, global socialists on health issues. So I read that backwards. I started with this person's comment. I give them a lot of credit for saying, mm-hmm. hey, I apologize for my part. because I, Some people were acting on the best information they had at the time. Other people jumped on a bandwagon. And other people said, you know what? I'll take the heat and I'll be called a conspiracy theorist or I'll, I'll be accused of not loving my neighbor um, because I just want to wait this out and get more information yeah. and pray for wisdom here. So, Mayor, we're in interesting times, and the church has yeah. been dealing with this too. There's some division, um, but we're hopefully going to love our brother and sister mm-hmm. in Christ enough to say, hey, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend eternity together, mm-hmm. locking arms and worshiping Jesus yeah. in his presence, mm-hmm. his fullness of joy. So these things that we're going through now, is it worth digging your heels in and saying, you know what, I'm not going to apologize. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest export of that those couple of years was fear. And and yeah. a lot of people feared for their families. They separated the older folks from their families. They, oh, boy. You know, the number one product was fear. And so that's the hard part. Churches were closed. Churches were fearful. When anything comes along like this that, that you know behind it, the spirit behind it is to make you afraid, you got to do everything in your power to resist that because even when, when it comes to persecution, if that's coming in spades for us, again, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so we can have a sound mind about all these things through prayer and just yielding ourselves, mm-hmm. our members to his leading and his will. And a lot of people Amen. responded out of fear. And I totally get that yeah. because fear is a powerful motivator. It was an unknown, a time of uncertainty, great yes. uncertainty. Yes, it's a, and it's new. It was all new and it came, yeah. pulled the rug out from under people's lives. So uh, all that to say, yeah. do not respond in fear Amen. to anything that's coming up because God Amen. is greater than all these things. Yes. We're here for such a time as this. Yeah. I will use that overused mm-hmm. word again. Unprecedented. Do it. Do it. Unprecedented. Yes. These are unprecedented times. Oh, yeah. All right, Mayor. Uh, well, you have an awesome vacation. Thank you. Oh, yeah, she, she looks battle-weary. She can't wait to get out of Dodge. I need to warm up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, warm up those bones. All right, well, you and Tim, God bless you, and just uh, get some rest in him. Enjoy uh, the South. Um, friends, we had to reschedule with Natasha Crane, but we have confirmed her, uh, the apologist and author. I love her. She's been on a few times. Um, the 21st, March 21st, a Tuesday. Mary will be back. 
Um, we've also got uh, Pete Garcia on the way, Holly Varnum with Reasons for Hope. That's a brand-new guest. We've got J.B. Hickson on the way, John Haller next week, um, Todd Nettleton. Uh, we've got Selwyn Duke, conservative author and com- columnist for The New American. Um, and tomorrow, Linda Harvey of Mission America. Guys, we appreciate your prayers. Thank you for standing with us. And, um, hey, all I can say is, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 